Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Take Two. We are still going through our congressional candidates. And in District 4, we have January Walker with us here today. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get to some of the issues, tell me a little bit about what inspired your run. Uh, the biggest thing that inspired my run is that I really wanted politician that listened, or politicians that listened to the people and represented them and took their feedback and conversed with them and then took that to Washington. Uh, and then year after year after year of not receiving that, I realized if I wanted that experience that I would have to uh, step up and be the example and lead that. Did you grow up with a certain party affiliation in mind or have you always been uh, more of the independent stream and thinking, you know, there's other ways to go than red and blue? Yeah, my parents did not uh, force any type of political affiliation on me, but I, I can say that, you know, my family being from Utah, we can almost guess what their affiliation might be. Uh, and, and with that, they, they gave me a lot of room to grow and to, to see, you know, what party fit me before realizing that none of the major parties truly worked for what I, what I believed in. What's your major differentiating factor when you look at the other candidates in the race that would make you different if people are still figuring out who they want to vote for? The number one differentiating? Well, um, so back to the point that I originally made with the wanting feedback from your constituents, mm -hmm. I've essentially created uh, an application in which every single person that I represent will have the ability to get feedback on the legislation I create so that we can make sure that we're, that we're actually getting to the heart of the issue and of the matter instead of me just going in and saying this is what I think should happen. So something that continues over the years after elected. Exactly. Excellent. And, yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of the issues that are on biggest on people's minds. Inflation seems to be the number one thing when you talk to Utah families or re really anyone across the country right now. Right. Uh, salaries are not matching the rate of inflation right now. Is there anything Congress can do to change that? Congress could probably be to blame in a lot of regards for the spending. How do you undo what's been done? Yeah, so I think that this is this is a very interesting question because in terms of focusing on wage salary and everything, uh, you have a lot of groups that are trying to win that battle, but there's this other half in which in order to reduce the inflation or at least curb it, you have to start tackling and eliminating the national debt. And right now there's no other candidate in the nation besides myself that's saying, hey, we actually have a path and an avenue to eliminate the hundreds of billions of wasted misappropriated dollars. And we can also reverse the national debt and eliminate it and by doing so curb inflation. The problem with some of the ideas like this is it's always easier said than done. How do you get people behind you to see the vision here and actually make it happen? Because I think most people, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, realize that there's a problem, but it's not very popular once you're in office to actually make it happen and make the money go away. Right, so the, the conversations that I've had, when you talk about saying, hey, I know that you want to rally around this program, but there's no money for it. If we can get our finances in order, then we can go through and see what there is available for you to keep your promises to your constituency base. 
If you're not elected, are there ways that you can help make that happen with the congressional leaders that are in office? Yeah. Ideas are always important. Yeah, absolutely. So regardless of whether I get elected or not, these are going to be solutions that I'm going to be uh, working on for the people. So whether it's uh, proposing legislation, working with the senator's office around uh, immigration and some solutions that we have there. So we, we have a lot of people that have been reaching out to us saying, hey, this is really interesting. It's given us hope. Like, let's collaborate together. And so once this this experience and this time frees up, then we can f help focus on those as well. Have you talked to any Utah congressional leaders about your ideas that are currently serving? Not congressional leaders, specifically uh, like within the office, the senator's office, so I'm mm -hmm. in contact with people there and we're, we're having conversations around what is the workflow that people in immigration go through right now and how can we tweak that legislation or essentially eliminate the bureaucracy surrounding it to really start to help people and their families. Let's talk a little bit about immigration. Right now we're looking at historic numbers of people who've crossed the border, uh, at least the southern border right now. There's always talk in presidential elections from both sides that they want to fix the immigration issue, but it's not very popular once you're in office. There's always an election around the corner. What would those tweaks be that you feel like could be passed by Congress and would truly make a difference? So really what this comes down to is leaning into technology. So I think most people know that, that I champion certain aspects of technology, but there's these new identity wallets where you actually own every last piece of your information. So this uh, protects you from data brokers and um, you know anybody that would want to steal your information or your identity. But in addition to that, it gives you full control over every last piece of information that you have. So with immigration, let's take refugees, for example. If somebody's a refugee and they come to the United States, they might have lost their identity, but through these wallets, they'll actually have all of that information on hand, completely eliminating this, you know, six month to one year system that they have to go through trying to recollect all that information. People get worried when they hear about electronic wallets. I know there's been worry about um, even the driver's license here in Utah, and you're looking at other countries let's say possibly China, where they have all their information stored there, the government can see, um, you know, their carbon emissions, where they're going, how they're walking. Is there a big brother factor here that people should be concerned about or could be a concern? This actually protects you from big brother. So it, what you have, like in China, and this is why it's crucial to get the right legislation in there. We want to protect ourselves from following the same path that China has. But the problem today is the illusion of privacy is, um, is it, it's not real. Uh, and your, so your information, how you walk, how you talk, how you type, uh, any kind of interaction that you have on that level, down to the people that are in your home, that that information is already available, and it's already available to these tech companies and the government's all already. Our phones using are that. listening. Your phones are listening, but it's in more ways than you, than you can possibly imagine. So you have this digital identity that surrounds you, and with that, when you start looking at virtual reality or the metaverse or this technology, when you um, click on your doorbell, right? Mm -hmm. All of that is starting to recognize you, and there's going to be a time when you go home, and your doorbell just sees you. It's like bloop bloop bloop. Hello, Heidi, welcome home. And I'll just let you in, but what happens if you have all no protection over your identity today and 
essentially all that information is exposed like it currently is, what happens when somebody can take that, use future deepfake technology to just walk into your house posing as yourself? So this gives you, for the first time, full control and protection over your information. And so there's no big brother aspect to it because you control the information, not the government. Aside from a digital wallet, what other things would help on the border? Um, there's been a lot of talk about passing legislation for DACA. Uh, whether you liked it or not, President Trump was keeping people on the other side of the border before their date where they could come through. And it was kind of a waiting period. Do we need to go back to that? Or is President Biden doing it the right way, letting people come in, will set their dates uh, in court and figure things out once they're here? I think it depends on what the issue is. So if it's something where, you know, people haven't filled out any type of paperwork or that, or in those instances, then yes, uh, we, should, we should ask them to fill out the correct information. But if it's, say, for example, a refugee instance, I think that, you know, there's a purpose and a reason to allow people to come into the country if they're fleeing from tyranny. Uh, let's switch a little bit and go back to the prices people are paying. Uh, gas prices are a big concern. Here in Utah, our prices haven't dropped like they have across the country. Um, a lot of states are looking at electric vehicles as the answer. Some people are saying it's not the answer. We don't have the electric grid in place. What is the answer as we move forward to try to make sure that we can afford to keep paying the gas prices or the electric prices to keep our vehicles in our country moving? That, that is a, a, a multi-level approach. First of all, if you, if you want to do electric vehicles, you have to have the energy grid in place. So in that instance, we need to focus on solar or nuclear energy or other types of clean energy that we can go through to help power whatever vehicles we have. Um, but those vehicles are few and far between. The prices on them are really high. Uh, I was looking the other day and I saw that it was costing about you know, $70,000. Your, your average American doesn't have $70,000 to go spend on a vehicle. So when it comes to petrol, uh, there, there are options, but really it comes down to the United States working again with the global economy. So when the, the Russia war started, you essentially had this divide amongst countries. And when that happened, the, the production of um, oil and petrol, it, it actually decreased. And so it started impacting gas prices around the world. So, so actually going through and collaborating despite international policy is gonna be a crucial portion of that. How's our country doing the international policy right now? We have some countries that are obviously a big concern right now. We're looking at Russia, we're watching Ukraine, China, uh, North Korea. There's a lot of places that people are concerned about. Yeah, ultimately, um, I'm a pacifist, so I, I truly believe that if we take the approach of reframing our communication, um, exploring different avenues without war, that we will be better off. But I'm, I'm very concerned, like most of the other people in the country, that, you know, maybe, maybe war is just going to continue to be escalated. Did President Biden uh, make the right decisions when we pulled out of Afghanistan? Uh, it was our commitment to pull out of Afghanistan, so we should follow through on our commitments. Um, was the execution as well as it could have gone? Probably not. I, I would have put in more effort there, but uh, yes, ultimately I do believe it was right to pull out. Let's talk education. Whether you believe the control should be at the state or the national level, uh, there's concern here in Utah and across the country that there's been a big step backwards, multiple steps backwards during the COVID pandemic. Is there anything that Congress can do to get education headed in the right direction? Or is this something that states really need to be taking care of? 
I think that it needs to be a collaboration and combination of both because you can't say that one group has all of the solutions, especially since, you know, humans do better when we work together. So from a congressional standpoint, uh, we really need to start looking at where the future is going to be in terms of jobs and at least advising on, on what those programs should look like and moving more of the the information that's taught at the college level back into the high school level so that as you have these kids graduating and turning 18 you have more diversity in the skill set and they're actually ready to hit the ground running instead of having to wait four five six years or however long to to really start contributing let's talk about the environment a little bit it's an issue that republicans aren't usually excited to talk about democrats definitely but i think everyone knows that the environment is important and there's things that can be done where do you stand on the environment and protections that can be made? Are we headed in the right direction as a country? I would like to see more protections for the environment. Uh, I, I get very disappointed when I just drive down the road and I see trash everywhere. Um, so I think that, that that would be a great start. Uh, protecting our water is also going to be huge. So a lot of times when I think about the environment, I think of how are we going to get water into Utah? And so, so bringing in bringing in that level of conversation I think is going to greatly benefit the western half of the United States. Water is certainly an issue here in Utah. There's been some funding that's going towards it at this point. Any ideas that are different than what we've heard already that might help our problem? We definitely are in the second driest state in the nation. It's hard to fix that. Right. It is hard to fix that. So, you know, I've, I was one of the first people to give a lot of skepticism to essentially the proposals to bring water infrastructure to Utah where you could actually bring water to Utah through water or water infrastructure. But um, I think it's also important to start looking at how much water we're using. And right now, nobody really knows how much water is being used until after that happens. And so there are systems that we can put in place to address this, to give the tools to collaborate uh, across states. Very good. Um, on the national stage, are there any Utah leaders or even national leaders where you look at and say, hey, they're doing a good job and I'd like to work in that manner? Tough question, tough question. Um, to be honest, I don't see a lot of great work performance coming across the board. Um, it's still, so like, let's take, you know, Romney. For example, Romney is highly respected in Washington. He's able to collaborate and get a lot done. Uh, but when you go to certain events, he still uses divisive language like the Democrats, right? Where we could just collaborate and work together and stop dividing ourselves. And so a lot of a lot of what I look at is that is, you know, are these people bringing individuals across the aisle instead of putting blame on them in order to gain favor? What's the biggest change that needs to happen in Washington and how can you be a part of that if elected? Uh, besides actually serving the people that elected you, the, the biggest change that needs to happen is the divisive rhetoric. It's time for it to stop. It doesn't serve us, it doesn't serve the people, it doesn't serve anybody except for somebody that's trying to repeatedly get elected because they're not doing their job. And we know this because they have to fundraise, It's I think it's like 15,000 a week just to go through and get reelected again. So they're not actually trying to do the jobs that we put them there for. How do you change that if you're elected? Because then the same problem happens. You get elected, you're in office, and you have to try to keep that job. So yeah. is there a way that you see out of that? 
Uh, so I think the application, the, the direct democracy application is going to help because people can actually hold you accountable for the work that you've done. But even more than that, I ask people that support me to subscribe and, and just put in a donation. Even if it's like $1 or $5, that adds up and it makes it so that, you know, if you have 5,000 or 10,000 people supporting what you do, you no longer have to worry about fundraising or you don't have to worry about lobbyist money. And it just makes everything incredibly easy. So if, if people supported the politicians they liked in that manner, then they wouldn't have to focus on fundraising and they could just do the job that we hired them for. We do live in what is a two-party system right now. It's difficult for third-party candidates. I think there's a lot of people who would like to support third-party candidates, and they think, am I throwing away my vote? Are they going to be elected? How do we change from that? Because I think there's a lot of people who see the middle ground, they find themselves in the middle ground, but they're worried about breaking away from how the country runs right now. Right. I think that it's important for people to understand that candidates like myself are not spoiler candidates. There's no way, shape, or form in which I would be a spoiler candidate for this race. And the reason is, is because when these states start redistricting, and they're, they're essentially pushing out one voice in favor of the middle ground. And that's what they're having to do. So like in Utah's fourth district, 40% of the people are essentially unaffiliated, independent, moderate. And that's a lot over the Democratic uh, voice, which is about 9%. The Republicans, they brought it in at 50%, but you still have a candidate that's not as popular as, as you would think that he would be. And so there's a lot of people looking elsewhere for individuals to support. So so third party candidates are, no, are, are not spoilers in Utah. Um, and Evan is, is doing a great job at showing what the template for that is. Before we leave today, what is the most important thing that you would want voters to know? I called and I think Friday at the close of business, they were at about 15% voter turnout. There's a lot of people who haven't turned in their ballots. They're still trying to make up their minds. What's your closing case for them? Closing case, uh, your voice does matter. At the end of the day, your voice does matter. And there's no instance in which it doesn't matter when we especially when we look at the younger voters they're voting at essentially 22 percent for gen z millennials are voting at 50 percent but if you if you actually came out and you voted you would see a change in washington and right now is crucial because 70 percent of washington is is going to be changing out just because those politicians will no longer be there they'll they'll be moving on to different things with their lives and if that's the case who's going to represent you who's going to lead you and are you preparing them now to be able to do so. If people want to find more information about you or possibly meet up with you before the election, where are their options? Yeah, they can uh, go to my website. So it's January for Utah or for simplicity, utahpolitician.com. You can also follow me on all my socials at Utah Politician. Um, easiest way to find me is probably just reaching out. Uh, and we do have an election party coming up as well. So that's just going to be at the Capitol. If you want to meet me in person, um, people can do that. Very good. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. We'll post all of this online for people to check out. And remember, you've got a week left to vote. Thanks for being with us. Thanks.